So how, on God's gray earth, did this? What's with these homies kissing my girl? Detours and Outliers, the podcast where we take a closer look at that one album in an artist's discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. It may be their best album, it may be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think whether they should. Uh, this is Scott Livingston. Logan Renard. Matthew Marr. And this is our 10th episode, so we have two count them two special guests for you today we've got will hayden and katie johnston from television generation uh introduce yourselves hi i'm will and uh i i play in television generation i'm katie and i also play in television generation so my notes are correct <laughs> yes good yes. Indeed. good so this is a special episode um kind of a controversial choice that i threw out there um because this is frequently considered one of the band's best, if not the best album. But since so much of what they did afterwards was not good, I'm kind of thinking this may be something of an outlier. Um, this week we are going to be talking about Weezer's 1996 album, Pinkerton. So I guess we'll just start off with general feelings and thoughts about Weezer and what happened there. <laughs> So uh, what happened there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember when this and you know the Blue Album first came out, um, and uh, I really, really, really liked the Blue Album, and you know this one too. But uh, this album's sort of regarded as a return to form kind of thing, or it was after the fact. So this came out after they had kind of a triumphant first record. And then this came out, and people were kind of lukewarm on it, and then the band kind of didn't do anything for a long time. But the cult status of this one sort of grew a lot, and it's referred to a lot as like the you know the best example of of uh, early and later Weezer. And there are elements all over this thing that you know 
get right to the the garage rockiness of their first record and right to the like goofy pop crap that you know they <laughs> i mean it's yeah, good but it's deliberately yeah. like <laughs> poppy stupid uh twee you know wasn't quite a thing when this came out as much as it would be a few years later but they were definitely on the cutting edge of of this twee kind of uh a tongue-in-cheek rock and roll yeah. sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah well and that's part of what this um album's reputation lies in is that this is the sincere album that the otherwise uh, rather goofy novelty act that, you know, afterwards, you know, Weezer certainly leaned into that curve. But yeah, they were mostly known for having funny videos and uh, not so much depth. And this was the album that, yeah, came out, was a colossal failure. I mean, the readers voted it like the worst album of 96 and everyone hated it. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Rivers disappeared for like five years, and <laughs> yeah. while everyone else slowly learned to love this album, Rivers slowly learned to hate this album. And you know, while he has gotten a little less antagonistic towards it, I mean, at first he was like, "No, that's a horrible album. I embarrassed myself. It's like throwing up at a party, and everyone took pictures, and now I I pretend yeah. it doesn't <laughs> exist." It's like I think oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember reading something about how he said it was like getting drunk or at a party and spilling your guts, and then like realizing the next day that you made a huge mistake, um, <laughs> something yeah. like that. And I mean, that's the other thing is while there are plenty of arguments between whether the first album or the second album is better, they've gone back to the well of the first album. Maybe not successfully, but they've tried. I mean, they have lots of other albums that are also called just Weezer that, you know, we've had to color coordinate in order to um, tell which one is which. I mean, they've gone back to use Rick Ocasek over and over again. They've done cutesy, funny videos, but they've never done another dark, sincere, emotional, uh, frankly, sometimes embarrassingly, you know, naked (laughs) album like this again. So, I mean, in some ways it feels like they went through the Beach Boys, you know, timeline really really fast Mm, yeah Yeah. i mean that first album was you know all of their surfing hits of you know novelty and poppiness and then the second album was their pet sounds and then rivers went through his you know lying in bed all day phase and Mm -hmm. everything since has just been kokomo that's a good actually that's a really the beach boys thing is a good comparison but i mean the other bands that always come to mind with weezer in in a weird way are um like the monkeys um because of their particular you know it's definitely the brainchild of one person who's like hiring kind of ringers to both play like play their parts as written by the mastermind and Mm. to look the part and uh the other bands that this reminds me of uh a lot are that were that i like are uh the misfits weirdly because there's this really clever songwriting, but the subject matter, especially on this one, is pretty not quite rapey. Not <laughs> there is yeah. getting, getting there creepiness, like, well, definitely creepiness. Yeah, and I will get into that more as we go through the specific songs and everything. But like, I, it's couched in this like really happy, poppy music. So you're kind of like, or maybe even like Cheap Trick, you know, has some pretty bizarro weird lyrics and stuff but you're like i, I don't yeah. know it's a great song i haven't even thought about what the words mean <laughs> yeah. oddly enough almost reminds me of big black a little bit too yeah um, 
it's like almost like uncomfortable, I guess, to listen to, but it's still yeah. got like this cool kind of, uh, I guess, poppy kind of groove going on, like beneath all of the creepiness. Well, Albini was pretty open about being either (laughs) sarcastic or not the character (laughs) in any of the songs that he's written. You know, they're more observational or, you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of a storytelling element with characters and stuff. And Rivers, I mean, is fully like copping to, oh, yeah, no, that's that's what I was. That was what was on my mind. That's Uh, me. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) All my flaws and glory. And which, as you pointed out yeah you pretty famously had to when asked to answer for some of that on this album was like well i'll never ever do that again that <laughs> yes. worked out terribly yeah <laughs> well yeah and he has been very sort of non first person non-confrontational since then which i i think actually this kind of reminds me of the simpsons i mean they've been churning out stuff since the early 90s and every time something new comes out, everyone's disappointed, but everyone keeps paying attention because what they did yeah. in the 90s yeah. was so <laughs> seminal and it's so iconic. touching. Yeah. And if you think about it in context, like, you know, grunge is huge when the Blue Album's coming out. I mean, yeah. maybe not OG grunge, but kind of like, you know, alt-radio grunge is at its peak. Yeah, what year did this come out? This came out in 96. Their first album was like 94. So, right. yeah, it was... After Nevermind, but you know. Yeah, we're still in the throes of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Grunge Rivers, hasn't gone away yet, yeah, so. Rivers yeah. has this, you know, Buddy Holly glasses, like uh, Catholic prep school uniform <laughs> Nerd. look. Yes. It is nerd aesthetic, but I mean, the guitars and stuff like that are pretty in line. You know, sonically, it's pretty in line with the, the grungier radio rock stuff of its day. Well, particularly this album. The first album was a little cleaner, a little more. Cars sounding because it was produced by Rick Ocasek. I'd like to say thanks for producing, but you know, producing the first album, Rick Ocasek, and thanks for ruining a good Bad Brains album. Well, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> so who um, um uh, who produced this one? They produced it themselves, uh, which, which they can... have not done a lot of since either. Again, yeah. I think they've gone back to the the Blue Album well lots, and they've not returned to Pinkerton. They've, in fact, that. Shortly after this, Rivers stopped writing by himself. I mean, the Red Album's all written by other <laughs> band members, and then he starts collaborating with, like, Dr. Luke and Rick Rubin and Lil Wayne, and it just it gets bad from here. So. It feels like Weezer became, like, a parody of itself. Yeah. yeah. Just, well, they're, they're trying really hard to be commercial, so, you know, even when they go, say, back to the shack, they're trying to do it because they know that makes them money not Scott because they air quoting furiously yes you cannot yeah. see because this is an audio podcast but yes Matt's going to insert a tone whenever there are air quotes <laughs> air quotes <laughs> but yeah this is um it's not a bad idea yeah, yeah it might make a lot of work for you yeah <laughs> true true well, the, the other band that this really remind me of uh, uh, conceptually is ccr um in a weird way for it having this just like uh finished product that you know to the casual listener is authentic and and with lots of meaning and stuff like that you know it seems really authentic rock and roll but upon like kind of closer examination it's like meticulously crafted into the shape that it's in every single detail i mean even their album covers and stuff with the colors and their, you know it's almost like devo or i mean we're getting it they have like borderline you know fascist iconography in some of their stuff yeah. that is really, really effective and, and kind of awesome. And it's kind of this weird uh, bait and switch. 
here, this looks kind of poppy and goofy. And then it's like, no, it's a hard rock song. I've never seen this show. I've seen pictures of their stage show and they, they have this, uh, Giant W. Yes. Yeah. Kind of yeah. looks like, like the logo the f- for the WWF or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, thought originally like that came off as sort of yeah. like, like that too. Wonder yeah. Woman. Or Wailing Giants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, initially, these first two albums, it felt, you know, ironic. Like, oh, look at us. We're just dweebs pretending to be a heavy metal band. And now it seems very sincere. Like, this is our branding. This is our yeah, logo. This is our. We are legit dweebs. Yeah. Well, I would it's say. Like that... Not even in a cool way. <laughs> <laughs> even back to the first album. It was. If you look carefully, it's very deliberate. Oh yeah, it's, it's like a very deliberate. Like this is this is show business. Well, don't they have a song about playing D and D on their first? Yeah, yeah in the so, garage yeah. is great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, I really like the first album. Sons are just great, simple rock songs. The production is great. Um, Notice how none of us are saying, "Oh, we really like Hurley" or "Yeah, yeah. Pacific no. Daydream" or this album. You know, actually. Uh, this episode's dropping March 5th, and Weezer will put out an album on March 1st that clearly we have not heard yet. But they're going to put out two more covers will albums. Not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they did just put out what their seventh self-titled album. They're the only band with more self-titled albums than Peter Gabriel. They gotta be running out of colors at this point. Well, yeah, yeah they've gone to teal. Magenta. I mean, you know, chartreuse, chartreuse, magenta. I'm sure. So should there be a Weezer 2.0? Should Disney, you know? finance that yes yes <laughs> then it <won't>. seems appropriate <laughs> <laughs> then then the little kid can can actually write about the the letter from the 15 year old japanese girl <laughs> it won't be quite as creepy quite it yeah it's yeah. still a little creepy it's always creepy but you know we'll we'll dig into it do we want to like start song one yeah. tired of sex Not unlike when the hair metal guys saw punk taken over and started yeah. to do Guns N' Roses type shit, you know, yeah. to play dumb. <laughs> this is a high, high level of playing dumb. Yeah. Wasn't he like, he was going to music school or something in Harvard he went to when Harvard, he was reco- actually. That's recording this or writing it at least. Contemporary yeah. classical composition, which I don't, I'm not sure. That's a weird one to get. That's the the, the Phil Lesh, you know, yeah. degree, but uh, uh that's a weird one. I'm not sure why you would go to Harvard for that. I don't yeah. think they have any particularly, <laughs> other than it sounds cool. Yeah. Well, think, he was trying to play up his nerd. I, yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> initial impressions of the first song? Oh, this one's awesome, man. There's a lot yeah, of I feedback. Love, a lot I of, love the beginning of that yeah. song yeah. so much. Such a perfect opening. Great, well, yeah. it, is, it is typical of the time, too, which is um, really distorted things recorded clearly. Yeah. 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 Um, well, the, and this is, I think, you know, part of why a lot of bands go through the sophomore slump is because they don't want to write about what's going on in their lives after they become big rock stars because usually that just comes off as douchey douchey yeah, yeah. and this song could come off as really douchey like oh i have so many bands it comes off it is more sympathetic than normally people complaining about having too much sex would um mm-hmm. well and this one was written but 
this was written for the I think before the Blue Album and was supposed to be yeah. part of the Blue Album. So yeah, that's probably why I like this one so much compared to some of the other stuff on this album. <laughs> well, but, it's definitely yeah. one of the more poppy ones. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the lyrics, particularly the fact the word sex is right in the title, is the only thing that kept it from being the first single off this album, because it is yeah. catchier and far more um, palatable, at least from a musical standpoint, mm-hmm. than some of the later stuff. But yeah. you, you can tell right away that this was self-produced, too, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, this is a band I mean, that's, I like it. I, yeah. I think it's really cool. Like, obviously, you yeah. know, it was mastered it's and everything really well. But, uh, it's messier. Yeah. yeah. It's, but at the same time, like you said, it's so calculated. Like you listen to those little backing harmonies and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's like they're 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 yeah. messy, but you know they're it's messy, right but on it and, works. Yeah. In tune. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's deliberate. Intention. I mean, yeah, yeah very deliberately. Yeah. 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 So deliberately messy. Matt, like the those bass player. Vocals. Yeah. On this one and the and the blue album, I think this is his last album. Yeah. With them, but. He's kind of a secret weapon on all this stuff, and even the Blue Album too. Or he's usually the one. It's like the John Entwistle thing. If there's something, a part that's too high or too low for the actual singer in the band to pull off, like he's you know stunt backup singer guy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I think that is part of why you know a lot of people see these first two albums as you know palatable or good Weezer, and everything else not is partially because. There is no more Matt Sharp after this, and I think Matt Sharp probably gets a lot more credit than he would have normally amongst fan base because it's such a stark contrast yeah. between the albums he's on and With, the albums yeah. he's not. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. A couple years, a couple albums later, they end up getting uh, was it, uh, Scott Schreiner. Yeah, and uh, he's a pretty suitable replacement. That, yeah, he's not bad. I don't think you know his tone and everything on the albums is really similar to. Yeah, I mean, he came in by the fourth album. I think they had. One guy for just the the third album, the Green album, but then it's been pretty much the same lineup since then. Although the drummer got bored and stopped playing drums and started playing guitar, so they had to hire a studio. <laughs> yeah, I think they they tried a lot of things, but uh, anyway, um, shall we go on to the the next track? What is the next track? It is a uh, Get You. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know why he chose to spell it get you. <laughs> I think that's sort of his way of sort of compromising with the fun, silly, you know, we used to be the undone sweater song band and his more dark sensibilities here. Um, mm-hmm. As far as pr- production goes, I might um, revamp what I said earlier. A lot of the tones are very blown out. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dr- especially the drum this sound on this. Yeah. yeah. It's like. <laughs> I mean, it does end on a nice like section of 7-4 time, which is done pretty subtly, so if you weren't listening for it, you wouldn't notice it, but it is... I mean, clearly they are showing that they know more than they have to show off yeah. all the time, which is kind of nice, but... This one was kind of interesting. It, the way everything just sounds like it's being pushed into the red reminds me of... Uh, was that Velvet Underground album? 
that everyone thought sounded like um, absolute shit? Was it white light? White light, white, white heat. heat? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was. Or, yeah, just that. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. love it. That's a great well, album. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone says, like, the average, I think, modern Weezer fan, the modern Weezer fan, yeah. meaning they like what they usually yeah. hate Pinkerton. Well, yeah, I mean, it, from what my experience is talking yeah. about. Well, some, yeah. Did you see that yeah. sketch on SNL when Matt Damon hosted a couple months ago? Like, oh, yeah, weren't they arguing? Yeah, about... Matt Damon and Leslie Jones got into like this big argument that everyone else was just like, why are they arguing about Weezer? That's so stupid. Yeah. But that was sort of the gist of it is <laughs> yeah. you know, Matt Damon was like, Weezer, ride or die. I think pork and beans is better than uh-huh. you know Buddy Holly. And <laughs> Leslie Jones was the... Well, the one that the probably right one. reflected the actual oh. <laughs> opinion of the writer of the the sketch. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be like if you went to see, you know, uh, I know they're they're done touring, and yeah. you know, Ozzy might not be hanging around for much longer. But it's like if you go to see, you know, classic lineup Black Sabbath, uh, you want to hear Paranoid. You don't, you know, if yeah. you if they play uh, Never Say Die, you're probably going to be like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. that's a song. They wrote well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, like Van Halen songs not. going. You know, Van Halen fans going. Boy, they didn't get good till Gary Sharon showed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that you know the the white light, white heat reference is actually pretty good because I think for um, more more casual listeners or just consumers of pop music in general, uh, you you have to get past the production of those songs. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, you definitely don't hear stuff like get like, you. When I was newer to music, like if the recording quality sucked, I was like I just couldn't get into yeah. it at the time. I mean, I'm not going to lie, like the first time I listened to this album, I really hated that second song cuz like I just didn't get it, I guess. I was too used to listening to like more produced kind of pop. Yeah. And I think a lot of people did, which is why it it was such a dud when it first came out. I mean, I think I mean the the Weezer thing is great in in its time. You know, it's probably this was probably a little bit ahead of its time. But if you think about like the you know radio alt rock stuff, it was a lot of punk rockers being recorded in exquisitely high fidelity, which maybe <laughs> wasn't doing them any favors. And uh, yeah. yeah, you know, there was this is a bit of a bounce back from you know maybe you know the Stone Temple Pilots record doesn't need to sound like fucking steely dan or something you know like yeah. that's not helping them out yeah i know a lot of people like that stuff but it's like there was definitely like an era where the production got too good for this music that's supposed for the to style of music. yeah it's supposed yeah. to be sleazy it's rock and roll you know so yeah. but yeah they I, I think they made their sloppiness intentional even all the like weird backing vocals that seemed just sort of off the cuff and tinkly pianos and whatever randomness they have on there but yeah i mean it it clearly wasn't just them goofing around it was Mm -hmm. was intentional for whatever reason Mm -hmm. well shall we um take a listen to no other one songs in three rock like that yeah <laughs> weirdly i started thinking of god save the queen not the uh 
Sex Pistols song. But the, <laughs> the, the actual, but the actual God anthem. God save right? our glorious <laughs> queen. Yeah, that. Well, at least at least how it would resolve. Yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. melody would resolve. Yeah, yeah. There's about that tempo too. Yeah, it is. Like yeah. who? How many? How many dumb rock and rollers can keep it together going that slow? Yeah, <laughs> it, they they are a talented band. Um, did they add more strings to their guitars on this one? Or? There's um, a fucking ton of overdubs. Yeah, right? I think oh, they did God, probably. Yeah. Well, and I think that was sort of why they they didn't hire Rick Ocasek and did it themselves so they yeah. could, you know, spend an extra hour on every song and redo each guitar three times and whatnot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make them perfectly out of tune. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and at least they, the bass is a lot louder on this one. Great, great bass playing and crazy falsetto uh, backup yeah, yeah, singing on this. That's, 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 that's mm-hmm. Matt. Or a nice touch. And, uh, um, but uh, on the on the blue album, he's on there too. But the bass is way down again. Uh, rock for light. It's the injustice for all of punk rock. Thanks mm. a lot, Rick Ocasek. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what your problem is with bass players, but you know. But uh, yeah, that one's great. And just it's a, if we didn't mention, if we didn't catch it before when we were talking over the other one, Rivers. It was like a, came to Hollywood to be like a. a you know, Racer X style, you know, Paul Gilberty guitar shredder guy. He could play his ass off and, you know, read and write music and compose. So, you know, a lot of the a lot of the harmonies that are right on that sound, you know, most classical and arrangement and stuff are, you know Well, and that's one of the things River said inspired this album. Hence the title Pinkerton is he was really into Madam Butterfly, oddly enough. And he this was his version of Madam Butterfly and Pinkerton was apparently the name of one of the characters in that, and that's oh, why he named wow. it that. Yeah. Or something. Which was also part of why this album had problems, because the Pinkerton detective agency sued them right beforehand. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to say. Like, so I they, thought for the longest time it was named after the detective agency. No, and apparently after looking it's, into it, it's like, nope. So this is not a song dedicated to <laughs> corporate mercenaries. Yeah, no, <laughs> no it's, just, it's dedicated to a Japanese geishas, which yeah. is its own kind of problematic, but... Um, you mean I'm going to have problems with my album called Blackwater? <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Uh, <laughs> it took me just a second to get that. Halliburton. <laughs> yeah. Halliburton. Just for the Halliburton. The opera. No, no, but it's spelled with... Uh, <laughs> no, Rivers did say he, you know, he used to play, like, you know, Yngwie Maelstrom type stuff, and he had to put, like, super heavy strings on his guitar to try and slow him down. So he could do this kind of stuff right. I can see that actually being a technical problem. Yeah, the, the real, the uh, like so the in the in the blue album and and this one that the rule the rule that they came up with was you're not allowed to palm mute at all. There's not a single palm mute on the you know the whole first album. They're proud of saying, which was, you know, these people who are very accomplished musicians making rules to make them play stupid in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. You know. It's um, kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was a, a Robert Fripp technique with um, with um, King Crimson as well. Yeah, you know he would do things like tell Bill Bruford on this song you cannot play the snare drum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you have to set limitations for yourself in order to keep from being overwhelmed by your options. Bruford didn't tell him that he already wasn't playing the yeah, hadn't right. played the <laughs> snare drum on the last like four songs. <laughs> right. 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 Yes. <laughs> well, um, do we want to move on to the next one then? Yeah. yeah Why true. bother? Why not? Why bother? Because <laughs> well, we got to keep the podcast going. Oh, wait, <laughs> I know I should get next to you, so you gotta look. The ain't the thing. 
he's tired of sex and he doesn't see why to bother anymore. I guess it's time to start really digging into the uh, lyrical themes of this album. Yeah. Um, it seems like Rivers is uncomfortable um, with actual relationships and of the preponderance of, well, I wouldn't say groupies, but opportunities he's had since becoming a quote-unquote rock star has made him very uncomfortable. Well, and they break his heart? Yes, and, you know, he... <laughs> well, I think he... Part of it is that he's kind of used to not having any opportunities. He's more comfortable pining for someone from afar, so he deliberately goes after either yeah. women over the seas, women who are lesbian, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. because he knows he can't have them, and he's far more comfortable pining for people he can't have than dealing with people he can. I mean, even that yeah. the, the last song, No Other One, he it's all about how... He doesn't really like this girl, but he has to stay with her because no one else will have him. And I, I think part of it's also his nerd persona as he's trying to play up this hapless with women. I, and I may have started to seep into his real life, and he's having a hard <laughs> time separating his persona with his from his real... Because I think he went through like a two-year period of celibacy that he... You know, vowed on himself for Jesus. could that be the, <laughs> the not religious reasons? <laughs> could that have been his target audience? I think so. I think he was sort of going for the people who didn't feel as cool as oh, totally. any yeah. better. Yeah. Or I mean, like honestly, like his <laughs> his lyrics sometimes seem like like you know he's talking about something completely real in his life, but he has this weird sarcastic way of putting things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it almost seems like like if you really look behind like everything, it almost seems like he's still like trying to market this towards like yeah. other kind of like loser type. Like, like yeah. this is a little yeah. Like, and it was, yeah. Yeah. And it made more sense on the first album when he's like playing D and D in the garage. Cause he was still a loser. But by this point he's trying to address the realities of being a rock star while still trying appearing a as a loser. And mm -hmm. that's but kind of why he's having this struggle. The, the blue album also has, you know, a lot of fun songs, but it, there's which one, which one is it? That's uh, there's a there's a song on the first on the first album that basically stopped me in my tracks when I like was paying attention to the lyrics and it was like <laughs> oh this is creepy you know, say like, it ain't guy, so or something no 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 um only in dreams uh it'll come to me in a second but <sighs> yeah no it's like very like puerile fifties misogyny kind of shit from yeah. like a and, and we needed time machine back to uh, uh the the mid early mid nineties here. The, the character that he's desperately trying to play, or maybe is, who knows, is like the hero of like most shitty rom-coms at the time. Oh yeah, this, oh, for well, sure. <laughs> well, the, the incel nerd is like the villain of yeah. all now. I was gonna say, this is like yeah. the, this is who like, if you weren't like a jock dude, this is like what they were selling you as the, op, you know. You're off. I your mean, your you know, other option. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're a good 20 years or more on from this, but right, isn't there a whole, online universe now dedicated to to um young men who feel slighted because, because women don't find them attractive right, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes yeah, they, they don't get like every third rom-com anymore yeah. So. yeah yeah well and i think rivers i mean part of why his post pinkerton material maybe sells better and he's able to it separate this persona of the never going to get the girl teen from his actual life because he's still yeah. writing songs from a a sort of teenager pop perspective even though he's, he's like 50 something <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah which is 
kind of creepy, but it seems less creepy in later stuff because you can tell he's just doing it as a persona. Here, he's he's kind of struggling with whether or not he's really this guy. It's, it's a yeah. big problem inherent to rock and roll. I believe the Who are about to tour again, and and they will mm-hmm. definitely sing that they hope they die before they get old. Right. <laughs> the two. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, well, they can hope all they want. Uh, that that yeah. ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, for a couple of them. A couple uh, of them. Yeah, yeah. some of them did die before they got too old. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, and whistle. It depends on your definition of old. But uh, a lot of miles. A lot of miles. Yeah. <laughs> he, he packed a lot in during those yeah. years. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, there's definitely these distinct uh, uh, sort of hints of like Woody Allen kind of stuff. In, yes. in the Weezer, the, both the that persona sort of comic and it's like persona, yeah, or yeah. and just the way that it's like, okay, the, this thing that you have that you're presenting is is so perfect that it's clearly fabricated and polished, but we, you always kind of get the feeling that it's it's tied to like who you are, like pretty direct. It's like a caricature of well, and of your, when there your wasn't a lot of that out there, finding anyone who is willing to admit to playing D&D and having KISS posters up was, you know, a relief. It was relatable. But yeah. I think that it's less of an issue now than it was now back in 96. The world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, you don't get a lot of jock rock anymore. There's probably an untapped market out there for any of you yeah. listening who want to start like a really... Metal to start. Yeah. What have you done, <laughs> Scott? Uh, it's like metal, <laughs> hard rock. They all got turned on to EDM and stuff. So. Yeah, I Ted Nugent. I can hear the fingerless gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, who knows what incels are listening to these days. There might be a, a market for it, but but um, I don't want to know. Let's move on <laughs> to, speaking of creepy, Across the Sea. You are 18-year-old girl who lives in small city at Japan. You heard me on the radio about one year ago when you wanted to know all about me. Is it admirable to expose yourself so thoroughly and completely when the person you are deep down inside is kind of creepy? I mean, should he keep that to himself or should he be applauded for at least admitting it? Well, there's certain things I think most people don't want to hear, whether they're true or not. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm not sure. Um, um, well, I mean, yeah, there's something to be said by there is something to be said for honesty and all of yeah. that. Um, on a related note, I was once told that that for a man, there's a rule of thumb: you never date anyone half your age plus seven years. So yes. how old was he when he uh, when he uh, wrote this? Twenty five, twenty six, maybe. So so thirteen he, plus seven, it would be twenty. Eighteen's too young for him. Eighteen's yeah. too young. Okay, we've done the math. <laughs> but then again, he's not actually interacting with he feels yeah. more comfortable yeah. with someone he can pine for across like the sea what I than find, someone who's right right you know there i in find front like the song so strange because he's like a big rock star at this point getting like a fan letter from someone in japan yeah he's probably not 18 um yeah but <laughs> it's just like so weird that like it seems so much more important to him 
then, um, to have her. this like yeah, fan sure letter. The, the, and it's the, the, the just woman who like... wrote the letter or girl, we don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, Did I think spend... it doesn't remember it as well as Rivers. <laughs> it's really interesting too because you know that happens to Rockstars all the time. They get letters. Yeah. Verbal yeah. Back so he probably has mail bags full of it. And why Rockstar's this? Rockstars always got this. Yeah. Have, do you know any other songs where? Somebody's written a song about a letter they got from a fan. Yeah, and I mean, this That's... clearly is not, you know, a hypothetical. This is a real letter from a real specific person, and it's not even a terribly interesting one. It seems like she doesn't know English and is practicing. Yeah. You know? What's your favorite food and your birthday? These are like, you know, uh, Tiger Beat magazine kind of questions. Could this have been yeah. a conscious attempt to tap into the Japanese market? Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, well, probably. he does talk he is about a big how he likes half Japanese girls later, and I think they he does him cur- every time. He yeah. he's yeah. currently married to a, a a woman of Japanese descent, so, yeah, he's, so it's starting to come off as a little fetishistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I mean, yeah. even the cover art of the album is like an old well, Japanese painting. Yeah, yeah, and again, it might be part of the whole you know Madam Butterfly yeah. theme, mm-hmm. but there is something a little. You know, he's he's exposing himself, and not everything we see is uh, palatable. <laughs> this, he, he enjoys the exotic other. There's a Richard Hell song, a Voidoid song. I think it's the plan where he talks about like having a baby with the next girlfriend, so he can groom the baby to grow up and you know a daughter to grow. And it's creepy as hell. And he's like, "Oh no, I was being serious." But you know, he's like, "I'm not going to do that." I just thought it was some like. Creepy, sh- creepy, dark shit to write a song about, right. you know. And so, yeah, are we going back to Woody Allen? Here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah. yes, uh, life imitates art. Yeah, well, yeah. and you know, this might be why, partially, why Rivers has never exposed himself as personally on record again, is because he knows there's stuff that, if I put out something that personal and it got that thoroughly rejected by the public, I. Be a little slighted. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I may you know bit. go back to writing you know about islands in the sun and Beverly Hills from then on too. I mean, that's where I want to be. Well, the, the Rivers persona is like in place from the the first the first one, be it a little megalomaniacal or whatnot. But yeah. um, you know, is pretty famously talked about with with Prince and how he would you know appeared to be such a aloof sort of weirdo eccentric guy you know off the stage and uh you know people who are kind of close to prince often you know you know talked about how it's like oh yeah that was he was it was like he was putting on a a suit of armor so that he could go out and give people you know like what they wanted give give people their entertainment because if it was really you know the real hundred percent him out there it's like he'd you know he'd be dead pretty soon you know it it would destroy him and so, I mean, this, some of this might be just a case of, like, this dude having to put on this character completely just so he can go be rock star dude, yeah. you know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if that's the case, he might have made a mistake then. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> he hadn't totally quite yeah. figured yeah. it out yeah. here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it armor. was, like, Weezer's second album to come out. It's, like, I almost feel like he was trying to, um, like, you know, kind of reveal himself in a way, but I almost feel like he made a mistake and actually yeah. went a little too far. Exactly. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think that's part of why this album is still so revered. I mean, it has a lot of, you know, people have pointed to this album as what started the whole emo yeah. music genre. Is, <laughs> it's, you know, it's honest. music it's, that's it's, about emotions, about exposing yourself, honest. about yeah. making yourself, you know, look as bad as possible, 
well, not as bad as possible, but as honest, as flawed, as, you know. It's like, this yeah. is how shitty it's I like, am. Yeah, Here it's it is. revealing the ugly yeah. side of yourself, I guess. Yeah, that's and what email is all about. <laughs> he backed yeah. off from it, but it other people latched onto it. And I think that's why they're all, you know, personally betrayed when he puts out an album of, you know, Toto covers or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you meant something to me, and now you're, you know, yeah. you're making Kokomo think, uh, again. Amongst uh, the emo community, Pinkerton's really only Weezer, Weezer's only album. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they they broke up in '97 and did yeah. not. We just like to pretend. And then yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not a Paul is dead rumor where the real Rivers is you know Rivers died in 2000 yeah. and he was some... replaced with like a lookalike. He's a, yeah, he's a triplet. So there you go. Speaking of oh, creepy there. old guys. And young girls, like, has anybody heard the new Paul McCartney song where he's talking about getting it on? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's it's a very one. awkward. It's like, yeah. you're 60, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he now sings when I'm 64 as a, a retro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember when I was 64? I was 64. 64. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, but again, I think that might also be because to Paul McCartney and maybe to Rivers, you know, rock and roll is teenager music. So the singer yeah. of a rock and roll song is. A teenager, even though he personally is, you know, seventy-eight or whatever, mm-hmm. he he considers the "I" in the "I Love You, Baby" as another yeah. teenage boy singing for another yeah. teenage girl. I mean, I don't think it's just like the the artist either. Like, I think the like any listener kind well, of yeah. expects like someone in a rock and roll band to be younger or yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's it, young at heart at least. Yeah, so. I mean, it's like, it's like you feel the same things when you're a teenager, but you just. Yeah, you know how to deal with them better now. Yeah, and you've yeah. got other stuff to worry about yeah. too. Yeah. So you know, yeah, you breakups are are still hard, feelings. but you've still got to pay the rent or the mortgage or <laughs> yeah. insurance. You so can't take six years off or this year yeah. taxes. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> don't forget April fifteenth. <laughs> well, let's move on to the good life then. Gotta get back to it. Yeah. Lyrical choices, yeah. shaken booty, and what was it? Yeah, oh, sweet love. He's, he has when, when some, he does the white guy rap white guy extended thing. Yeah. As they he do. does it a lot yeah. in, in later years, oh, but yeah. this is the first time it sort of rears yeah, its ugly rears head. Its head, and <laughs> he just took it and just embraced yeah. it. Like, Why <laughs> oh, did yeah, you do that? It's interesting of... lyric too that he wants to get back to the good life, and that's what he's associating that with. Yeah, when isn't the persona about how? He used to be a nerd. <laughs> right, exactly. I've never. I was. I was excluded from the good life. Yeah, yeah. but he kind of misses. He kind of. Well, really. I think what he's saying is he, he misses, misses being a nerd now that he's a rock star. And now that he can have everything, he can't yearn for things from afar. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. he can't pine over. It's a totally mm-hmm. identifiable point of view for all of us. Yes, because <laughs> we've all been, oh, yeah. you know, rock stars, <laughs> wishing we were back to being unable to score. Um, I mean, he does talk about can't get around with his old man Kane, and I mean. When he was in Harvard studying after his first album, he also had surgery because one leg was two inches shorter than the other. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he was like on all sorts of opioids and tremendous amount of pain, couldn't walk. Oh, that big. So did he get one leg extended or the other one shortened? Yeah, they broke the leg, 
extended it, and he had to. Can I get that done? Pull his own leg every day, four times a day. Did he want to join the football team or something? I I don't know why he cared, but yes, he (laughs) went. Maybe just because. Well, what else do you do with your first million? Well, I'm going to fix this physical flaw I've always had. Yeah, and he. Yeah, he apparently it was excruciating. He he couldn't take care of himself. That's why he has a big beard during most of the recording of this. So you're not going to get your teeth capped. You're going to get your leg extended. Yeah, (laughs) because you're shifted two inches to the right or whatever. It's got to be hard to move around on stage with one. Yeah. Well, you could see. Well, I'm sure it would be. Yeah. Footage of them playing live on like Letterman and he's holding perfectly still while the rest of the band is dancing and bouncing around. In fact, a lot of the videos too, you can see Rivers trying really hard to be serious and dark brooding while the rest of the band is trying to give off the fun hey yeah. remember us we're the yeah. we're the sweater song guys really <laughs> we're we're still fun buy our album <laughs> and it is an odd dichotomy cardigans and polo shirts yeah yeah because yeah, he is dark and brooding and the rest of the band is trying to compensate and keep their you know novelty i think a surgery like career. that would make anyone dark and I, yeah yeah well yeah, and yeah. apparently he got he like taped foil up over all his windows and made his room completely dark and like a crackhead yeah. well yeah well and it wasn't <laughs> he even really took like, it to the next and he was level. living in a dorm in harvard and you know <laughs> walking around with this cane and he's supposed to be a rock star and he's miserable and he's you know that really, up just, a, that, that really just says something about like i just think his entire persona he just it, he feels like the kind of person who really just takes things like to the next level yeah he's trying like, any hard. sort of feeling yeah, yeah i need to stop <laughs> sleeping around because i need a two-year celibacy uh, yeah you know, it's, you know i think he's like a an ardent vegan and you know he does tend to he's not one for half measures back, that rivers back to something that Nat said i i it's a life goal to be like the you know a super rich person who still has their shitty teeth because it seems like they all get that's like the first thing man yeah, yeah. get some veneers yeah <laughs> what the hell is that yeah, it may even be you know before you you get your riches they have to put those on you before they can put you on tv yeah, yeah, so. yeah. i'm thinking that it is part of the ceremony like the induction ceremony. that is the most you know i you know generally i think it's wise never to judge people by their looks but we all know what Keith Richards looks like, right? And, yes, and there's a. It is disconcerting when he smiles because he has perfect teeth, and it's very, um, it's very unsettling. Because Any he has British person with perfect teeth. teeth. Yeah. <laughs> well, most likely. Yeah. Yes. Right, right. Right. I don't think any of his body parts are original at this point. He's, no. <laughs> it's mostly you know. He's only like twenty percent original Keith Richards. Yeah. Yes. Basically, right <laughs> at this point. Thirty percent formaldehyde. <laughs> <laughs> You know, twenty percent various drugs of <laughs> yeah. the remainder being booze and water. Yes, <laughs> and the ashes of his dead father, which yeah. he snorted. <laughs> well, should we? Yeah, let's move on let's, to the next song. What's next? We got oh, the first single, El Scorcho, oh. which is Spanish for the Scorcho. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one he wrote in the letter earlier yeah, on? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> There's some dynamics in that song. Yeah, yeah it goes yeah. to double time during the bridge, but the double time doesn't last the whole bridge, which is 
uh, oh, yeah. choice. I mean, it was an odd choice for the first single. I mean, it is a very catchy chorus, but the title is not really said in the song at all, well, except yeah. for that gargling voice at the beginning. It has nothing <laughs> to do with it. It's obviously very different on one level, but yeah. it is a little more reminiscent of the sweater song, so perhaps yeah. that's why mm-hmm. it was chosen as the uh, the first single. But yeah, I could see how, you know, when, if you don't know the name of the song, you go to the record store to ask for the single, you're like, well, it's that I'm a lot like you song, and they'd never be able to find it, so... <laughs> That might have been part of why the the album didn't do so well. Um, the, the one time that I've seen Weezer live was you know later in the two thousands when they're kind of on their uh, make a bunch of money nostalgia tours. Oh yeah, but uh, there's a lot of you know there's uh, some Nuremberg Rally esque uh, type uh, business going on with some of their really sing alongy. Uh, tunes where you just like the whole place is like singing along to either something goofy or stupid or maybe not great or harmless or whatever but it's like they have these really catchy like chanty kind of things where it's just like every it's like do you know what we're singing it's like no but it's great it's <laughs> well, awesome there's a it sounds really cool Rickverse has been able to Everybody's make a living like, despite being as weird as he is he's, he does write a it's, damn catchy it, tune so, so are they are they uh, where are they from the, the california, california. Yeah, la ish yeah it does yeah. yeah they seem i mean i think he was he's from connecticut right yeah he was raised in connecticut but he moved to right, la yeah. to to yeah. make it big and that's where he found everybody he was actually okay, raised yeah. in like an ashram in a commune or something and that's you know from the name rivers you can sort of get that yeah. but yeah he was like homeschooled and whatnot but yeah well that wouldn't make you strange no no no, not no, at all. no. yeah no, they're perfect they, I uh, they're all vaccinated reason. and they're all perfectly normal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is rivers cuomo vaccinated <laughs> readers get back to us <laughs> patient zero <laughs> he doesn't have the autism <laughs> Really? I wonder if Mark Maron's ever interviewed him. He has, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and he, Mark was like all worried beforehand, and he was perfectly fine during the interview, but he didn't say much either. You yeah. know, nothing revealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I'd yeah. just like to, it'd be funny if, you know, like the measles epidemic was following like Weezer or somebody, <laughs> somebody <laughs> on the CDC like, like, charts that across, like, yeah, it moves across tour. the country and the So Europe. we can predict yeah. that measles is going <laughs> to hit here. Every now. time they play a show. Like, Budapest <laughs> is ravaged yeah. by uh, patient zero, yeah, rock star uh, zero. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like maybe Weezer it's a good thing European he was so adrift. You know? <laughs> somebody... Somebody in a, a, a like a dark room overlays like uh, two trains. Oh my god! <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> we have to tell somebody. Uh, yeah. oh, well. Anyway, <laughs> well, shall we move on to the next track? El <laughs> Scorcho. Well, the next track is a uh, pink triangle. Speaking of women, he can't have. <laughs>
what was that lyric? Pink triangle on, on her, her sleeve? sleeve. Yeah. You so know, there's an easier way to tell thing? if a girl you want to date is a lesbian. It's pretty easy, yeah. actually. Yeah. I, I like, <laughs> most women will tell you. <laughs> I like the idea that this is like uh, uh, taboo and, and apparently a common enough instance at the time to be relatable. Well, uh, <laughs> there was that whole lesbian chic thing in the 90s when, like, you know, Cindy Crawford was on the cover of Vogue with Katie Lang and, you know, Chasing Amy came out. That was a. Uh, what was the point of that? Parts of that movie have not aged well, and other parts are pretty. Like, again, pretty sharp. I think right, it, no, it feels the that, same. Yeah. He exposed a lot of yeah. himself. Some of it is not and, pleasant and, to look at. Yeah, <laughs> Anne Hesh, didn't she become a lesbian? Yeah, her, Anne Hesh. Yeah, this uh, is, there was a, 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 a sort of 90s lesbian craze, if you want to call it. I mean, that was, <laughs> yeah. was I mean, kind of problematic yeah. in a lot of ways. Lesbians, but, so hot right yeah. now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, this song sort of feels like part of that, but again, I I think it's also he he feels more comfortable pining for someone he can't have than dealing with someone he can. And I mean, I notice it's not like I want to date said lesbian or have sex with said lesbian. He wants to marry said lesbian. Yeah, yeah. it's really it's really like possessive in a weird way. And yeah, I I feel creepy about like some of these Weezer's. It, uh, um, God damn it! I looked up the one that I, Matt, you're gonna edit. Sorry, buddy. No, yeah. <laughs> Please pause. Oh, no one else was nice the song on the on the blue album that I I really, you know, it's like I want it's so I want a girl who lasts for no one else. You yeah, know, who like smiles I, at no one else. Who, when I'm away, puts her makeup on the I shelf. I want a girl yeah, to yeah. just <laughs> be my property and nothing else, kind of yeah. thing. And it's yeah. like there's a lot. That's. That's the main vibe of a lot of this shit lyrically, and it's yeah. like... Yeah. And again, it, it, you can tell it's sincere here, and you can tell it's less sincere on later albums, which you would think would make later albums better, but y you admire his um, honesty. honesty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess, too. I'd like to bounce I mean, back to, to Mr. Uh, Prince Rogers Nelson here, whose really sexualized lyrics are like, do me do stuff to me or let's all of us do a thing. Yeah. It's like, nah, that's, that's how you write about fucking kids. Not, not this other creepy thing. It's weird. Yeah. It, it yeah. skeezes me out and it pisses me off that there's like, you know, black Sabbath songs that are actually like anti-suicide songs that, that get a bunch of crap because they're, uh, musically kind of, uh, macabre or, or dark or the imagery around it. And like people have big problem with that, but, this kind of really fucked up shit couched in, in poppy sing-songy lyrics is like, people are like, well, it's a happy song. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if uh, yeah, Tipper Gore would have been too worried about this. About Weezer. Yeah. Those nerds? But I mean, it's like, honestly, really weird. Like, you were talking about, like, having, going to their concert and seeing all their fans, like, singing along to stuff like this. Like, just an entire, like, room yeah. full of people singing, I'm dumb, she's a lesbian. Like, that's kind of... Yeah, really I mean, weird. there is some self-deprecation. He does start <laughs> with "I'm dumb." I appreciate that, but still, he, yeah. You know. There's no like, like I, when you listen to the lyrics of the song, though. There's no indication that he's even spoken to this woman. Yeah, that he's again, talking I about. think he, he like, appreciates <laughs> being able to fantasize about women because that's where he's comfortable and not really. Yeah, the lyric yeah. I thought was oddest was when he when uh, uh, was why can't you be a little bit straight or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's um. Just um, gender flip that one and see how that that shit flies. Yeah, even, that was even, a, even today, that's a pretty yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or you know, if there was you know some guy saying, "Boy, I wish you know you were a little bit gay so I could 
you know, yeah, yeah, that yeah. could get awkward. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, they're still really sing-songy and really happy and really yeah. poppy. And Almost nursery rhyme-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, again, one of my favorite bands is the Misfits, like classic era Misfits. And uh, there are a number of songs that are straight up rape ballads. Um, and... I mean, you can't sing about in, bad in, stuff. We're not in saying. horror movie iconography and stuff, but even that's like a little weird and wacky. But it's sort of the—I don't know—it's it's the juxtaposition of like yeah. the horror movie crap, and so this is like a similar kind of like it's dark shit and it's candy. It's dipped in candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and we don't know if Rivers, the person, has evolved since then because he has not presented an honest reflection of himself since then it would be nice if he would would follow this up with here's how i've changed here's how i feel about what i said here's who i am at all because i mean it's possible he hasn't and he's still you know pining for half japanese lesbians that write him fan letters (laughs) but we don't know (laughs) and um maybe we don't want to know maybe that's why he hasn't done anything personal sense (laughs) but yeah i mean granted it it was at least a letter i mean with social media you could end up you know like brian adams so yeah did he really want to know the truth about gary glitter for example that is true that is true i'm glad he didn't put to go to a hockey game in a couple of days matt thanks a lot (laughs) yeah i mean again some people shouldn't be you know putting personal stuff out there but maybe some people shouldn't be um just doing what they're doing. I really hadn't thought about the, the connection with uh, this album and like kind of early like emo stuff. That's uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, it's like one of the like yeah. biggest like Jimmy most World, hugely influential like album. Like if you listen to uh, Cursive, like they their biggest album, The Ugly Organ, sounds so much like Pinkerton, hmm. uh-huh. like. Um, you can tell that they were probably listening to this like a ton when they were writing that. Yeah. I would be honest that the the first like kind of crop of like classic emo stuff that came out it, it sort of grew up in the in the DC area and was you know listened to a lot a lot of like Rite of Spring and and uh, you know that mm-hmm. that sort of like uh-huh. OG <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So Like when the first kind of polished like generation of emo stuff came out, I was like, oh, yeah, this is just like dorky version of the shit that I like. <laughs> it's kind of like, I, I feel like uh, Weezer kind of like gave birth to like the Midwest kind of emo mo- yeah. movement yeah. because yeah, like all those bands that were coming out of like Nebraska and Kansas and stuff, they had sound so much like Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. Pinkerton gave birth to those bands. Yeah, not, not the Blue did. Album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Weezer, you know, nobody's out there really trying to sound like, you know, Maladroit or... <laughs> I like that one. That's yeah, that one. They, 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 you know, like post Pet Sounds Beach Boys. There's some good stuff. There's some bad stuff. Nothing very consistent, mm-hmm. but uh, nothing nearly as good either. So yeah, they all they all have a single or two that are. Yeah, I was gonna say you could probably fine. from the ten albums they've released since cobble together a good fifteen track compilation or whatever. But yeah, there's none there's of them one I listen good to. Album in- all of those things they made after this. Yeah. <laughs> One. If you 
Just take the best and squeeze them all together. Yeah. They're doing better than some. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. They at least had some good albums. That's, you know. Well, and they're still making them, right? Yeah. That's true. They, like I said, there's one dropping four days before this episode comes out. So yeah. maybe they are, they History are might not be kind to us right now. Pinkerton <laughs> yeah. part two. Yeah. 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 Well, you never know. Brownerton. I mean, they've had their chance to do another Pinkerton. They have the Brown already. album. <laughs> Tinker City. <laughs> I was I was going to bring up the Brown album because that's the the Primus album. The Primus they, album, yeah. They really <laughs> tried. They tried to self produce it, and they really tried to go for uh, like you know the John Bonham drum sound, which is totally being pulled off. And th- like this is like big bombastic, kind of blown out everything. Mm-hmm. And I like the Brown album a lot. That the songs are great, but the production, you know, they you know, yeah, that, oh, that, they, they were like, we tried and we didn't. We didn't well, know what like, we were doing. Apparently, it's not exactly. you don't just stumble onto that sort of production. It's hard to <laughs> dial in. That's yeah. what we were talking about about earlier as well, right? Is that that uh, yeah, the, the Brown album when I first heard that, it was um um I it was hard to get past the production. Yeah. Right? But you know, but after a while you sort of get used to it and you realize the best songs are on that album. Oh yeah. It's, so 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 it's a uh, um you know, yeah, well, that's that's why you pay a producer is they're they're supposed to know how to do this stuff. I don't know. But then to... again, you know, it's like when when you pay producers, we've seen stuff that go gets both ways. To a time, yeah. Right? You, yeah. you were mentioning both Rico Kasich and Bad Brains, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> or the, the the Grateful Dead one we just did, oh, which with I wanted to bring that up with this album because so this will be what like two three episodes ago the Grateful yeah. Dead episode with Molly, um, we did sh- uh, Shakedown Street, which is kind of considered like this generational divide album where they were they were kind of going for a thing maybe at the the insistence of their producer <laughs> or mm. indoor record label but it's like you pretty much there's a generation of fans that is with them up to that and there's a generation of fans that's like hardcore with them including and after that and this is like this is weirdly the like shakedown street for yeah. Weezer where it's like <laughs> there are there are people who are you know this and after or the first two is it and, but and there's i don't think there's a lot of overlap no, no there's not a lot of people not. like oh they, they went down after hurley and i haven't listened to anything before. <laughs> yeah. everything before that was great but uh, i remember when that came out oh, and I, I i, I was did, like what are you doing ratitude that was he, the album well, will told me to listen to hurley and i gave it a listen i was like why did you tell me to listen to this thing it well, came out <laughs> But the plus I thing is, you know, no Weezer album lasts more than 33 minutes. So yeah. Yeah. even the worst one you put on I don't know. Once, that one, like, felt like it was going on for two hours. Though. Yeah, like, that, that was a that long, was, that was like... A, I can't even remember some, anything yeah. on that album. I remember reading about it, like, the day, bef- like, a day or two before it came out and then found myself in, uh, uh, what is it, Twist and Shout looking around and there it was like I read about it and Staring I thought, I thought it face. was an Onion article or something no I didn't think it was a real album yeah I didn't think it was a real album like yeah oh my god there it is yeah I thought it was a joke too like, <laughs> and they're, they're known for their really iconic you but know, isn't, that, isn't that part of their uh, that's part Weezer, of their shtick anyway is totally, it's all yeah. a big joke so are they just yeah. They, yeah. they do sort of have this oh we've got ratitude we've got yeah we've got this wacky persona that they I know I've said this about other like the Rolling Stones album and everything, but it's like 
Is, is Weezer's entire career just trolling its fans? It's certainly a it's, lot of the post-Pinkerton so. stuff feels <laughs> yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah, like, you want us to get really good and sincere? Well, here's, I can't stop partying. Yeah, yeah. it almost seems like uh, he came out with Pinkerton trying to be like really sincere and bare his soul or something, and then everyone hated him for it. So he was like, fine, right, I'm going to come gonna back. And, yeah, it's like, you screw it. You want me to be pop? <laughs> you guys want I will be pop, and you will regret yeah. every goddamn minute of it. <laughs> and we did. That's a theme that we keep coming across with these these the outlier sort of albums is that they're great examples of bands stepping just outside of, you know, stepping into a new thing and trying to do it in earnest only to find out that they should never do that thing again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Although maybe Weezer should do that again. Yeah. Or at least stop doing the... the whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. whatever they say. Maybe another, rivers, you know, seven-year break. Go back to Harvard, extend your other lake rivers. Yeah. See if that helps. <laughs> well, shall we go on to the next track? We're almost through this album. This one's uh, Falling for You. Holy cow, I think I got one here. Now, just what am I supposed to do? I've got a number of irrational fears that I'd like to show you. So there's rules about old goats like him dating chicks like her. I think that was the, uh, you know, half plus seven rule you were talking about. <laughs> I, I think that ghost line is, you know, everyone always looks through me yeah. kind of thing rather than that, but. I thought it was goats. Like he was a goat, like an old goat who shouldn't be (laughs) skeeving on an 18 year old Japanese girl. Uh How old is he when he's, he's like, he's just still in his twenties, right? Yeah. Yeah. 25, 26. He's not even that old. One one of the interesting (laughs) things about he's just old. River's persona is that it's like, you know, well, he was looking back to the good life too. I mean, he right. feels yeah, a lot better than he is. It's like when he sh- first shows up on the scene in his like early mid twenties or whatever, and it's like he has this like, you know, dude in his like mid fifties kind of persona. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. and it's interesting now that he's actually aged into the age that he's pretended to be mm-hmm. for his entire career. <laughs> yeah. I guess that would probably be pretty easy for him to feel that way if he's walking around after getting his leg extended with a cane and everything. Yeah. Well, and, and growing yeah, that beard can. and going to Harvard where, you know, yeah. <laughs> at 26, he may be the old guy there. I mean, I don't know. But, um, I did sonically. I, I, um, I dug the, uh, the fuzz tones on this song. Oh, totally. oh yeah. A little better. You know, the, the, uh, I mean, I know it, uh, it's from, um, the mid nineties, yeah. but, uh, there's, there's kind of a, uh, you know, sort of the the grunge distorted guitar tone. It had become so <laughs> so um, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous, right? And and um, smashing pumpkins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say Billy Corgan has that sound, and that's what existed for about ten years, and it was just really dull after a while. Yeah, right? well, right? any sound and it is for basically, ten years it's basically will get here dull. we have a nice little melody, and it's not going to sound like rock and roll unless we we put a big Dollop of rrr, exactly on top of it, right, right. But but the fuzz on that one probably was a big muff. It, yeah, it, uh, you know, it it did it, it added character in a way that a lot of the other ones didn't. Well, it's it's used like it, you know he's, he plays a bunch of these guitar licks that almost sound like you know a trumpet voluntaire or something like yeah. that. They're very it gives it that reedy like yeah, rrr. which originally like you know a 
a fuzz pedal makes everything a square wave and then right, fil right. filters everything to usually filters off a bunch of low end so it doesn't turn into mud and they're not you know you can't really play like a full bar chord on a on a on a fuzz pedal or or you probably shouldn't it sounds like shit um <laughs> it's never stopped anyone what before. if we could play <laughs> every sound all at once one, wouldn't one that sound great yeah. one or two notes is about but, but the, the, the proper use of, yeah. of a true fuzz pedal yeah. is is this really uh single notey thing and it gives you this you know trumpet or yeah, violin horn, horn like imitation yeah. raspy sustain you know and uh, yeah it's it's implemented well awesomely all over the weezer catalog and on this one thing I know I don't know if there was a great example on this tune, but the guitar playing, some of the like real riffy guitar playing on this album, it really makes me think of like uh, Bob Mothersbaugh or Bob Casale in 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 Devo, where they they play in these like almost like their version of like a sample of like a Chuck Berry tune. It's yeah. like almost like a quote, like the corniest thing they could think of insert here but like perfectly and really deliberately and it's awesome yeah. <laughs> it works great <laughs> again the the lyrics are uh i mean he's falling for the girl but he doesn't seem to like her very much i mean he at one point says you say like too much and he's like i'm the or you're the lucky one no i'm the lucky one and i'm not quite sure how he feels about the because it seems like you know the japanese fan he was you know couldn't touch three songs ago he was now able to connect with and is sort of disillusioned by the reality of her and is you know while trying to reassure that he he no I'm, I'm starting to fall for you he is in fact slowly stepping out the door while he's saying it it's yeah. a I guess because that song starts off with a like a Japanese voice saying hello over the yeah. phone that's what well and it, he talks about how you know dating her will ruin his career and you know he you know he can't make records anymore because of her and whatnot so it, it is sort of like he doesn't seem real happy that you know he got what he said he <laughs> wanted when he was gonna you know when like it didn't seem possible like the, gonna get you i'm starting to feel like the japanese girl is actually pinkerton he was excited about it to begin with and, and then, then as it went on you know i've Japanese had, clown costume that might be looking into things a tad too much but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <well>. <laughs> He may have seen that retroactively. He, I mean, he, he seemed, you know, excited about it while he was doing it. But yeah, he he has not, you know, I mean, for years he refused to play any of these songs live. He refused to talk about this album. He said it was just horrible. I mean, he's realized as you know, other people keep buying this album that you know, in order to stay on their good graces, he has to like play this album live occasionally. But so, do you think he's singing, you know, in general about these this archetype? archetypical woman that yeah. he imagines or is or is he just pining for someone who a very specific broke his heart <laughs> you know i don't think it was someone who he knew yeah, i think, think it was yeah, someone he fantasized yeah. about and then the fantasy fell apart and she probably had no idea he even existed yeah, i think that like this entire like pining thing is kind of like uh some nerd nerdy kind of guy like in high school or something pining yeah. over the popular like girl who he's never going to the talk prom to. queen yeah. that you know yeah. is usually you know <laughs> act then, one of one of those cheesy some, 90 rom yeah. at rom some point reality rears its ugly head into the fantasy and, yeah well and like he becomes the rock star and then he notices that she is actually kind of vapid and says like too much and isn't really that interesting or whatever well, so is that 
like a hint of redemption for all this horrible crap with the <laughs> <laughs> lyrics where it's I mean it really like the overarching thing is kind of like you know, I, I've lust after this girl, or you know, or whatever. This and I, but I, I finally, idea. I'm now I'm a rock star, or whatever. Like, and I, you know, I, I finally got the the you know the, thing the cheerleader or, the, or, or whatever the, the affection that I wanted, and it I'm still not happy, kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I get out of. Yeah, this that's kind of what I get is, out of the. Whole yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if that's a a happy ending or. Mm. <laughs> But it is a ending. It is a speaking of Shall we go on to the ending of this album? Butterfly. Yesterday I went outside with my mama's messenger. Caught a lovely butterfly. When I woke up today. Looking on my fairy pet She had withered all away No more sighing in her breast I'm sorry for what Yeah, there's a couple I of did. lines there. I the did heart what wants my... what the heart wants, God. Yeah, <laughs> like... I did what my body told me to. <laughs> all the lines about chasing butterflies, I think this is just basically like a whole sum- summary kind of song to bring the whole album together. Yeah. Although I do think that like sonically, like compared to the rest of the album, it kind of sounds like somewhat awkward to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it seems to just kind of come out of nowhere. It's like, yeah. this is our slow ending song. We're just going to throw it there and... Yeah. It would have been Call nice if they kind of bookended it a little bit more because they yeah. opened it with a badass, you know, anthematic rocker. And if they'd, even with this in there, if they'd gone out on one, it would yeah. have been. Yeah. Or if there were more acoustic moments weaved in the, the yeah, album, yeah. then it wouldn't stand out. So it's sort of the outlier on the outlier here. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the drum is on there just because, you know, the rest of the band didn't want this to be a completely solo, solo rivers. Just that little kick, like. Yeah. <laughs> Although apparently that wasn't played by the band, that was played by uh, their uh, historian, Koch, somebody, you know, Carl Koch or something. Hmm. Why, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that was another part of why the band sort of broke up and Matt left right after this album. It was not just that the album tanked, but uh, their, their fan club presidents, uh, Michael and Carly, who had been with them since, you know, they were nobodies died uh, in a car accident on the way oh, to a gig. Oh. Yeah, and like after that, they didn't play again for like five years. They were just so... Jeez. Yeah. Probably like guilt. And so yeah, well, yeah. that would be tough Going to get to over. Going to our show, and, yeah, they died. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and they just had like a three-month-old daughter in the car with them. And it was just, oh, yeah, it was pretty bad. So, you know. Of course, this song, what happens when you put a butterfly in a jar? Exactly. He, he the thing well, he wants when he gets it, he kills it. I mean, <laughs> which is why he sings in there. So, so that, so I need fantasy. Yeah, fantasy yeah. is he safer. Cut out the verse about poking the holes in the top of the jar. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but still, even yeah. then, yes. <laughs> well, and then the, you know, it's, it's, it's he little, sings. The it. suffering just lasts a little longer. That <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some anger there. If I'm a dog, then you're a bitch. That's a is this yeah. tough yeah, line to swallow. Perhaps yeah. part of like the nerdy persona in the like there's this like way that in the like the '90s cartoon nerd idea that it's like 
they don't really understand how sex or relationships yeah, or work, girls. and so yeah. that's why this yeah. is so. so yeah, like, the, the, he's the got nerd the non-apology in it, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. there's there's several like I'm sorry for the the horrible shit that I did. It's well, like, he comes across. Yeah, don't like you sang about that on the, like the three previous songs in different instances. Stop doing that. Well, I noticed that the, the first line <laughs> of this album is "I'm tired," and the last line is "I'm sorry." I think that sums the journey of the album. He starts. Yeah. I mean, he does come across a little like the Anthony Michael Hall character in Sixteen Candles, you know. He's a nerd, so you feel bad for him because he's getting picked on, but he's also a creep and a jerk, <laughs> and he needs to understand his own part and why he's yeah. not having but, and, a lot and like of luck. Others wiser than me have pointed out, nerds yeah. do indeed rule the world. What are they complaining about? Well, these days, not much, which is why yeah. this album probably wouldn't make as much sense if it yeah. came out today as right. it did, you know, in 96 when nerds were a little less of... Yeah, it's like we had to grow up being nerds and like... And fight yeah. for our yeah. right to party. Exactly. Now <laughs> everyone's like trying to... Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, it, it ties in with like, you know, punk rock uh, yeah. uh, aesthetic and things like that. It's like... Oh no! There was a time when you did that under constant penalty of like physical danger. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it wasn't a cutesy affectation you could you could Buy strap on for, for to go to a party. No, yeah. somebody would legit try and kick your ass. And, yeah, and yeah. the nerdy thing was kind of like that for a long time, where it's like if you really leaned into that, it's like well, right, you but, but were gonna get some shit. Nerds go to Harvard and get um, you know advanced degrees and. Um, you know, become scientists and doctors and lawyers and, and politicians and, and computer programmers and they have and, really rich parents. But, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know this, uh, Otherwise, not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'm just saying. You know. Well, maybe like maybe we're we're conflating nerds and geeks together. Yeah. 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 Freaks yeah. and geeks. Freaks and geeks. <laughs> geeks, yeah. geeks and nerds. So yeah, I mean, I can see why he couldn't keep doing this, and I can see why this did connect to people in '96, but I can also see why it also turned off. You know, 98% of Weezer's fan base at the time. I mean, I I also I, wa- yeah. I wanted to mention that, you know, we spent a bunch of time talking about the, you know, Rivers' uh, uh, take on relationships and women and things like that, and they're being kind of problematic. The biggest Weezer fans that I've ever met have been ex-girlfriends. They love this band. They saw them so many times. Um, they couldn't say a bad thing about it. And when asked about this sort of stuff specifically, they were like, yeah, it's kind of dark. And it's like, you know, rock and roll is not supposed to be like a safe, a safe Safe thing. Or, you know, it's like they actually kind of enjoyed the macabre. Or or maybe it is a a safe place to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is an accurate portrait. I mean, as, as unpleasant as a portrait as it is, and you know, we should change what we're looking at. It was particularly for the time accurate of what, nerdy guys who didn't know how to deal with girls would do when their Silicon Valley money came in and they did try <laughs> to date supermodels and yeah. Yeah. that would go awry. Well, it's like know, definitely, it's like a very raw album. I almost feel like that's probably why a lot of people didn't take to it as much. It's like both the recording quality and like, yeah. and the lyrics yeah. and like everything a, is just so raw. People don't really like real stuff a lot of the time. Yeah. They like yeah. things that are like, you know, painted in gold. Yeah. Well, particularly from a band like Weezer, who prior to this we knew as, you know, the goofy guys who did the Buddy Holly video. You weren't expecting, oh, and now we're going to get super real. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. generally you think, like, oh, the second album is going to be 
more produced, bigger, yeah. 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 better. Well, it's usually, oh, that first one did well. Let's do that again. Yeah. And it doesn't work as well because, you know, you had your whole life to write the first album and six months to write the second one. But I think yeah. he, he circumvented oh, yeah. that by writing about what he was really going through as a now rock star with a cane and a beard and uh, <laughs> no concept of how to talk to girls still. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Oh, man. Well, I, I mean, in summary, if you are going to listen to Weezer, should you start with this one or should you ignore it and try and enjoy the rest of Weezer? I, I think mean, it depends on the kind of person you are. Yeah, I started I, with this one and it got me really like interested in Weezer. And then as I listened to their other stuff, I was like, oh, Blue Album's pretty good. Yeah. I just couldn't, like, there isn't anything else that they have that's like Pinkerton. And so yeah. it kind of disappointed me. Okay, quite so a bit, maybe but. if you really like the song <laughs> Beverly Hills, don't listen to this album. Yeah. <laughs> if you really hated the song Beverly Hills, try giving Weezer another shot with this album. I think might be the. Yeah. The recommendation here. Yeah. And I think if you like this sort of cartoony, uh, punk rocky sort of thing, um, the band The Rosillos is kind of sonically like a, up the, the same alley, weirdly, even though they're a lot older. Yeah. I'd check them out. And uh, I know probably like any like post all era descendants is kind of the slightly more aggro version of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not, not just because of uh, eyewear. Um, but uh, this one and the Blue Album are probably the best place to start. Pick either. Yeah. And I don't know, but anything. Weezer's great band. Go yeah. see them. Go see them live if you get a chance. They're cool live, and you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And I mean, if you have a different opinion, feel free to contact us on our social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and we have a website, and we even have an email address. Uh, Detours and Outliers at gmail.com i'm doing the plugs now so um speaking of plugs what can you tell us about the band television generation oh well uh, it is a, <laughs> we're a band it is a band with three people in it so um, yeah we're have, working on an album right now yes okay. we're working on we're gonna do our like first full full ass album i mean we've honestly been working on this album for a really long time it's probably been like about a year at this point yeah it, it's know, coming out eventually. Yeah. <laughs> it will exist. It will. It does exist mostly. Yeah. So and if, it will if really somebody exist. wanted yeah. to to know when it does exist in a, a listable format, exist? how should they contact you or listen to you or keep um, track of you? Well, we're on. We've got all the social yeah. medias too. You can always check out Instagram, our website, and Facebook, yeah. and we have a website, televisiongeneration.com. Ooh, in in harmony. Yeah. We use rivers and fluids. We were actually supposed to go in uh, this afternoon to record yeah, the last I guess it didn't song for today, it, but uh, it didn't work out. Yeah. 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 Good old Todd at Silo Sound. Yeah. Yeah, Silo yeah. Sound's a fine place. Fine place. You, yeah. want, you want to track on tape in Denver, go to Silo Sound. Yeah. You, you don't have a whole lot of other options. So. Yeah. <laughs> but really. he's good, no. so yeah, it's yeah. not a bad thing. World famous, dude. I think they Oh, we've got a show coming up, too. Oh, yeah. We're going to be playing on 303 Day for 
Denver Rights, yeah. March 3rd. March 3rd yeah. at the Where Oriental, I think. Yeah, the Oriental. Yeah, It'll that's be like a, a middle-of-the-day show, and then but, we have an actual a But this podcast show. will be coming out after that. Of right? course, because yeah. that's just how we've been going. Everyone's so, been promoting so their case. show from... So get in your time machine yeah. after you've seen you know, yeah. Vampire right Squids now. from Hell. And yeah. I mean, Gorgeous is good. March 15th. And then we're going to be doing Jesse Bestie's album release show at the Lion's Lair sometime in June, so if you like that Yeah, Jesse Bestie is another awesome band if you haven't listened to them. They've been around for a while. So if you're in Denver, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if you're not. And if you're not, look it up anyway. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for a show to go see. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they're awesome. So I guess that will do it for this week. Um, Once again, I'm Scott Livingston. Logan Renard. Matthew Marr. Will Hayden. Katie Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) And tune in next week when we will try and figure out who this artist is. Take that.